0: A few weeks ago, I had a couple from my community for Friday night dinner. They're, they're second marriage for both of them. Then they told me stories from there how they got they were introduced to each other. That she tells me on the second date. She told, she told her husband that she is keeping caution. And she tells him, for me, it's a deal breaker. Yeah. Yeah. If you agree, it's fine. If not, I don't want to waste your time, I don't want to waste my time. He comes from a reform background. He does know what kosher is. You obviously know what kosher, he knows the name, but he didn't know really what it entails. The bottom line is he agreed, you know, he's a very nice guy, very nice man. He loved her and he agreed. They got married. Now when they got married, they needed to start to deal with that. What means to keep kosher? Then uh, he started to learn. Can you imagine for somebody who doesn't know what kosher is, first of all, he has to learn now to what the ingredients, what ingredients are kosher, to go in the, the supermarket and get a lesson from her. You have to look with you, take off your glasses and look at the sign, the small signs, Oh, you and okay and this and kosher and the, all the kosher signs. What is good, what is not so good, what is more kosher. That's a one, a whole journey in itself. Then in the kitchen, two sets of dishes. And his wife is like his police person. Don't touch it, don't, don't put it in! don't put the deal, don't make it drink. And he's afraid to move. If he's doing something wrong, he will get he will get he'll get a ticket, he'll get he'll get your ticket. You will get yep. like, you know, when the police gives you, they, they give you a shot. What is it called? Oh, the, the radar? Taser, the, 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 the teaser. Oh, the taser. Taser, you're right. right. Taser. He gets a taser. And she, And the problem was, he's the cook in the house. He knows how to cook. He likes to cook. She. She's a cook. She also knows how to cook, but also he's the main guy. Now we have to learn all the ingredients, change all the ingredients, change everything. Basically, it was a journey, a journey, a journey, but little by little, he gets used to it, he learns, he's getting better, and she encourages them. And together, they make the journey. Then came Pesach. Pesach, he discovered that the dishes, that the two sets of dishes that he had until now are worthless. That's for Hametz, he needs for Pesach another two sets of dishes. Oh my God, that's expensive. Then, you have to learn about the matzah, there is this kind of matzah and this, and then and then the word what the Ashkenazi Jews don't eat, and the Sfarbi Jews can eat rice, right, but the Ashkenazi Jews don't eat rice. Right. And there's a whole new set of he has to learn that on every ingredient and every box has to be written kosher for pezo. Kosher is not good enough, it has to be the pea for pezo. And and it's not, you know, he was used to a Seder, these matzahs on the table, and you drink the wine. And there's haroset, and a little bit of marrow, and that's it. But eight days, mm-hmm. this is much more than <laughs> and I see how this guy shouldn't talk about it. And I was laughing. I I knew what, what kind of a culture shock this guy had. But then he said something very interesting. He said that sin. And in in, I, I, he looked like he, he, he never recovered from the, trau- the, the personal trauma, I must tell you. But he still, he told me he loves Pesach. He loves the other day. It sounds strange, a person who works so hard, so difficult, so complicated. He doesn't have the food that he likes and still loves the other day. And I told him something very, I told him that we see in life, if you take a survey from the older generation of American Jews, of Jews, one of the most favorite holidays of people is Pesach. Passover is one of the most favorable holidays. Now it's Hanukkah with a gift and all this garbage, but I mean, not the Hanukkah. Hanukkah is an important holiday, but I mean the whole around it. But at that time, in all the, why is Pesach? It's so hard. So much work before to clean the house and to cash and to out the dishes and to end the shopping and it's expensive and it's, it's very hard. Still, it's one of the favorite holidays because the more you invest in something, the more you're connected. Mm-hmm. I saw some people come to synagogue. The people who invested in our synagogue and walked out and gave money. They're connected. The people who just come and go, they can come and live. Yes, yeah, just as, as quick as they can, that's as quick as they live. Even if they come here for many years, but they don't, they never they were not emotionally or financially, or anyway, they're not invested. That's the bottom line. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be financially, it could be emotionally, it could be on many levels. But you are not invested, it's not yours. When you invest it, when you sacrifice, the more you sacrifice, mm-hmm. the more, the more, the more you connect. And there is a Talmudic statement. that says that a person, is it's very dear to him, is a, 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 what he accomplished. Let's say, if you build a house, and you put your heart and sold it, and later you sold it, let's say. Mm-hmm. And when you know that the buyer goes and he destroys the house, even if you already got your money, something in your heart is hurting you. You build it and you work so hard on it, and you, you sweat tears and blood and everything. It's hurting you because that's the nature of a human being. And that's why we saw in the midst, the more we paper, the more we are, We work on it, that's it's, it's even before he left, I, I wished him a happy Passover <laughs> and he was laughing. Because I I knew what, what it would take for him to become, to be happy and disheartening. This brings us to the passion of this week. This we is to continue the story of Joseph. You know, from the beginning, it was the whole story went around the youngest child, Benjamin. They came to Joseph, Joseph, the, the ten brothers, Joseph accused them of being spies, right? Mm-hmm. They told, no, we are not spies. By mistake, they gave out that they have a younger brother in Israel." says, oh, Joseph jumped on it. Oh, you have a younger brother. If you, they said, yeah, we have a younger brother that our father really loves, the youngest. You know, the youngest, a little boy. That's how they said that. They yelled at They said, we have a, we have, we have a younger brother. He said, "Bring your younger brother." The next, he said, "If you want to come." The next time they came, they brought the younger brother with them. Joseph gave one look of him. He said, "This is the younger brother that you said." He said, "Yes, yes." What Joseph did, he framed them. He made, they put. He told his chief of staff to put the goblet, the royal goblet inside inside the bag inside okay. his bag his sack and then and then he sent the royal the chief of staff to go to do an investigation just like they do business in Russia in other places all the all the dictatorships that come in these countries you know they they want to get somebody in jail they figure out a way they mm-hmm. make him and they found it now and now Joseph said, listen he stole from me the goblet, it will be my staff, you cannot go home. Judah. Went crazy. Judah said, he said, he said to Joseph, he said to Joseph, I can, I cannot, I cannot leave this this young boy out because in Egypt. Because if the father can he cannot be separated from him. If the father will discover that he's not there before, he will, will be able just to tell him anything. He will yep. see from far that he's not coming with us. He will the father will die. He will not be able to survive. Mm-hmm. He needs is so connected to his youngest child. You know how old was the youngest child, the little boy? No, he was 31 years old. Joseph was 39, and he was 31. He's the youngest, the, old, the baby boy that his father will die. And not only that, Benjamin, by the age of 31, had 10 sons, 10 boys, 10 yep. children. Now, if you would be Judah, and you need to convince the ruler of Egypt to release Benjamin, you know, now he needs all the time to release, to convince the, the Hamas to release people. What they say? They say this is a parent who has children, he needs them, babies need them. What are you going to, what do you tell them? What's, what's a better argument? Benjamin is, is a father that cannot separate from him, mm-hmm. from him, or Benjamin has 10 children, he needs to support them. He needs to go back home. He yeah. will stay instead. They also called him the lead, the lead. That was in the conversation, the word now. He's a young man, he's a teenager, so, so to speak. Why is it that he didn't have the argument that he has 10 children and he was only concentrating on his father? Tell me, who loves more Children love the parents more or parents of the children more? What do you think? Parents love the children more. By far, my friend. By far, you'll see it. By far. Parents love to children is unconditional love. Children's love to the parents is very conditional. (laughs) Not just conditional, very conditional. As the Mishnah said, there is a conditional love the moment the condition is gone, the love is gone. Unconditioned love stays forever. <laughs> Why is it that parents love the children unconditionally and kids don't love their parents like this? Well it's coming. But Cidas explained that the, the this physical world is a reflection of the spiritual world. In the spiritual world, God is considered the parent, and we are the children. The love to God, to the children, to us is much, is unconditional. He loves us no matter what. Our love to God is very conditional. Oh God, I didn't right. Yep. You don't do the right, you don't get the right thing, you're already upset and you have questions. And blah, blah, blah. Because of this, the love of human being, by human being is the same. The parents of the children unconditionally and the love that the parents, that the children have to the parents is conditional. Mm-hmm. Because it's in the spiritual world like this. Then there is another explanation. One of a Hasidic rabbi who lived there probably hundred years ago, he says all the generations come from Adam and Eve, right? The children get the nature of the parents. Adam and Eve never experienced a love of parents. Mm-hmm. They never had to love their parents. They just love their children. Mm-hmm. That their children know how to love their children. And their children know how to Nobody ever taught anybody how to how to love parents. It never right. happened. It started this direction towards the children. Then you are you know how to love your child. You saw your parents loved you. You know how to love your child. You know, everybody wants, every complainer knows that his parents love them unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Everyone who sits in therapy for 20 years knows deep down that the therapy is because he's crazy. His parents love them unconditionally. Maybe they didn't do always the right thing, but they love them. And therefore, there is no love from parents because Adam and Eve never had. But maybe for the same reason that this guy loves Pesach, no matter what, because he invested in it, that's why we love children so much. To raise a child, first of all, you know, to be pregnant. Yeah, for the guy, it's not so hard to be pregnant. Your <laughs> wife is much harder, right? To be pregnant and they give, give birth the stress and the pain and everything. And then raising the child, to be up with the baby when he's teething, and even when he, when he has a uh, uh, earache, and there's an infection, and he's crying for hours and hours, and whatever you do is not good, and whatever. And you, I remember with my oldest child, I had to go outside in the middle of the winter. That was the cold, only the cold weather relaxed her. I don't know what it was, something was wrong in the stomach. And then there is, for example, uh, what is scary? because the babies who cry a lot? Teething um, Kalaki? Can... Kaliki babies. Hmm. This is I, I had a grandson who was Kaliki baby. I'm telling you, I never read that. I thought it's 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 people make this up. This is horrible. <laughs> For months, and when it stops, it stops in a second. And stomach starts stop start bothering you. A Kaliki baby it, it was it's a nightmare. You have to you need to have 10 people because you can go crazy. <laughs> And, and then when the kids grow up and it's school and it's every day something else, you invest your soul in your children. Your, everything you have is your children, your money, everything. That's why you love them so much because you invested in them. And it's interesting to note that a child you had to put, let's say somebody has a few children. the child that you put to put more effort in for whatever reason, because he had more issues, more challenges. This child, you're more connected to him than anybody else. But the children don't invest anything in the parents. Sure. Or invest very little. And invest maybe one percent of the parents invested in them. And when they come to visit them and the nursing, home, oh dad, I have to run, I have to run. They look at what you has to run. He has to run very important. Where you have to run nowhere. He has to run away. That's what you have to run. That's why Judah knew that Benjamin's children will survive. They'll make it, they'll be out, the young to grow up, but they will make it. Or mm-hmm. well, Benjamin's father will never survive. Benjamin was so connected to his to his father. He was the youngest, and he knew that even if he became, even if he's thirty one years old, if by his father is the baby, mm-hmm. and he's the baby forever. You you don't know that. So you'll see, your baby is your baby. No matter how old the, the baby is, he might be seventy five years old. Is your baby? Is your baby? And therefore, he will never. That's why I told him my father Jacob will never survive every Jew the Jewish people considered the children of God we get there disc- there's two interesting, uh, two approaches in the book of Je- of exodus god tells moses go to pharaoh and tell him my firstborn born son israel is in egypt he got he calls the jewish people firstborn born son told us <laughs> the prophet Oshea, Oseah, I think is his name in English, one of the latest prophets says about, God says about the Jewish people, "Kinar Israel vera vera. I love the Jewish people because they are a led, you know, a young boy. Mm-hmm. Tell me, what's better to be, the oldest or the youngest in the family? What do you think? The youngest. The youngest. The oldest, you have expectation. You want them to be the pride of the family. You should go to the best college and you should come by at least a doctor, if not a lawyer at least, something. And you were expecting from them to take his past, to be an example for the rest of the children. And everything that you didn't live in your whole life, you didn't achieve, you want your child to achieve. It should be in sport, it should be the better than you. You basically, you're living to your child. The youngest child, he can never do wrong. He's so sweet. You love him. You don't have, you have zero expectations of them. You give them candies, you give them every. The oldest child, I'm going to raise a melty. He's not going to get any, any candy. God forbid. You, the mother decide this child is going to be the eldest human being on earth. But the youngest child, no matter if it's two or three or ten, you give him whatever he wants. The same thing is by God. We can choose to be the oldest or the youngest. What does this mean? If you treat God like you're an older child, that you ask a question, God, I disagree with this line in the Bible. I have an issue with this, with this mitzvah. I have an issue with this story in the Bible. Oh, you're such a chokem. I also have expectations of you. Yes. You be an adult, get a job, get a life, and behave. But if, they, but if you're treating God like you're the youngest child, God, I need this, I don't know anything, I don't question, I thought you trust God like a parent, like a child, a little boy is holding his father's hand, he's holding on, and he's, he's sure that his father is well protected from everything. Then God, then God, the reflection will be way back, God will treat you like the youngest child. And there is, there is a say there is a prayer that we say, there is in Talmud and Kabbalah, there is something. There is a concept that thought, when you pray, it says mm-hmm. I pray. When a person prays to God, he should pray like a child prays to God. Means to say, I'm not trying come like, against a big chacham. I'm tuning to you, God, with the same, with the same naivety, if you want, with the same honesty, with the same, with the same. Uh, it's called tamim. Tamim is. Uh, I forgot what the. It's like pure and honest and and uh, sim- simplicity, if you want, to God. And then you're awakened by God, the same love to you, and He's giving you what means the same love of you, the love, the unconditional love. If you're the firstborn child, you get you treat God like your big and you get the conditional love. Depends on how how you how well you do. If you talk, you treat God like you're the youngest child, and you have complete faith in Him, then you get unconditional love.